0: constantly moving and changing, but why? What does it mean? And who's causing it? Welcome to Reasonable Faith. My name is Jillian Brown, and I will be guiding you in our conversations as we talk about the necessary existence of God. Everyone experiences change. Most of the time, we don't even acknowledge it happening. Time passes, events take place, and the world keeps turning. Let's take a closer look and define change. What is it? And what does it do?
1: I think change is when um, either aspects of something or like a concept completely is altered. A cause and effect relationship would be one person does something and it might affect either their relationship with one another Or the environment that they make around them. Just one action leading to another. Growing up, I had a lot of change. So I don't love it um, now. But I think it also depends on the situation. I don't like friendship changes unless they're positive. Mm -hmm. But I am okay with school changes. Like I don't like when assignment dates are changed. But I'm okay with a class kind of pivoting towards something else if it needs to. Things happen based on people's actions. Like I know that's kind of a basic answer, like, oh, actions lead to whatever. Um, But I think a lot of it also has to do with people's motives. Um, I think that society and different generations have different upbringings, make different people do certain things. And I think those actions change society And yeah, so I would
0: say just people's motives. Zoe's answers were great, but I think I want something more. I did some research and discovered Thomas Aquinas' five ways. The first is based on motion. Our senses can perceive things moving. Each thing is caused by another to move. And the universe is a relationship of cause and effect. Dr. Turner is a professor of philosophy at Anderson University. I went to his office hours and asked him about this argument.
2: Aristotle's way of thinking, and then Aquinas because he's borrowing from Aristotle, movement just is the move from potential to actual. And all that is is just a synonym for change. Now, we've come to, you know, uh, in the more modern period to think of motion as a change of location, but that's not. That doesn't exhaust the kinds of motion he has in mind. Motion simply just means moving from potentially the case to actually the case. So I can move from being seated to standing. I can move from being a teenager to being an adult. I can move from being a middle aged man to an elderly man, and so on. And that just happens. I could be perfectly still location wise, but as long as time's passing, I'm moving. Here's how the argument works Um, it takes, again, as its first premise, a very simple one. Hey, look, you can see in the world that things change. Now, often people think that motion implies going from one location to another, and that, that's true. That's part of change. But on Thomas's conception of change, I mean, you could be absolutely still and still change as long as time passes. So you go. the idea is that you go from potentially one way to actually another way, and that's it. That's sufficient to be change. So that's the first premise. Observe that there's change in the world, that things move from potentially the case to actually the case. In the second premise, he gives us a couple of options that are going to try and account for how that change happens, and the options are these. Either a thing changes itself, that is to say it takes itself from potentially the case to actually the case, or nothing does the changing, Or some other thing accounts for the moving of an object from potentially the case to actually the case. Some other actual thing makes the thing that's potentially the case become actual. So that's premise three. Now in three, four, and five, he's going to rule out and sort of land on the options. So premise three, um, well, nothing's changed by itself. And now you might think, well, wait a minute. Um, Look, I'm potentially standing. Can't I Make it the case that I actually stand? And he's going to say, yeah, sure, but that's not what I mean. What I mean is, at one point, you potentially were the case, just period. Could you have made yourself the case when you were only potentially the case? And he goes, well, no. I mean, you would have had to precede yourself in existence, which is impossible. All right, so that's option one ruled out. Things don't change themselves. Not in the way that Thomas wants. Option two, how about nothing? Can nothing cause me to move from potentially the case to actually the case. And he just reasons like everybody else in philosophy, nothing causes nothing. Uh, Should be obvious just by the definition of the terms. Okay, fine. So we're left with that third option that it must be the case that some other thing causes me to move from potentially the case to actually the case. So great. We have landed on that. All right. Well, why can't we just say that um, this goes on to infinity? So this is premise six, well, we can't just keep pushing the causes back ad infinitum or onto infinity. Why? Because then we have this problem. We would never have a first cause. And without a first cause, no second cause. And without a second cause, no third cause, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is just to say there's no causal chain at all. And so nothing's happening. So he reasons, there must be a first mover, an uncaused, purely actual thing, a thing that's not potential has no potential in it because then it would require the regress again it's pure actualities where the starting point of existence is and thus he very hastily reasons for the reasons i mentioned earlier ah this everyone knows to be god i would begin exactly where arist or well aristotle does this too but where aristotle and thomas begin by looking at the world that's the first premise it's a premise that uh, is what we call an a posteriori premise. It comes from experience or observation. It's a very normal sciency thing to do. Look at the world and tell me what you see. Do things change? Okay. Uh, sure. Um, they change. Look, the trees are dropping their leaves. The seasons are passing. The light, you know, now is getting, you know, darker earlier. I'm getting older. You're getting older, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, great. Now, what do we think accounts for that change? And then we can just start thinking about change generally, and then we're going to, if Thomas is right, sort of think our way back to these three options. Either things change themselves, bring themselves from nothing to something, which that seems impossible. Or nothing does this, and that also seems impossible. Or something else does. Well, that seems possible, in fact, the only option. Well, great, now we have this. Can we just keep going back onto infinity? Well... Doesn't seem like it, because then there'd be no first cause, no second one, etc. And then we land on the, the argument. So it's just a real slow walk through based on the first thing. Can we agree that we see these things changing? Suppose we all agreed that there was an unmoved mover, and this unmoved mover is a purely actual. Um, I'm going to say being, but some academics out there, out there might might. Not like that term, but I'm going to say it. A purely actual being. What do we do from there? How can we know that it's um, the Christian God as opposed to, say, the Muslim God? I mean, for example, there were um, Islamic theologians who also used this argument to show that God exists, and they didn't agree that it was the triune God uh, of the Christian tradition. Um, They thought it was a Unitarian God uh, who as the mosque in um, uh, the Temple Mount says, does not have a son. Okay, well, Christians obviously reject that. So how do we adjudicate between the two? Well, at that point, I'm just going to appeal to other things like the resurrection of Jesus. Do we have good reasons for thinking that Jesus resurrected from the dead? If we've got good reasons for thinking that Jesus resurrected from the dead, given how wildly implausible that is, um, then I think we've got good reasons for thinking other things about Jesus are true, other claims that uh, Jesus seems to have made about himself and the Christian tradition makes about him are true, e.g. that he's God, should be worshipped, and so on. And from them, it's a pretty short step to being a Christian.
0: So, the universe works in cause and effect, but there must be a first cause to have started it all, the unmoved mover. But who or what is that? I need to call my dad.
3: It's about, you know, chasing the string of cause and effect back to its beginning. So the argument uh, is called either the argument for change, from change, or the argument from motion. Um, they're, they're both expressed the same way. They're slightly different in what you're thinking about, but they're the same kind of thing. So uh, if you think about physics, an object in motion stays in motion unless it's acted upon by an outside force. An object at rest stays at rest unless it's acted on by an outside force. So things get into motion or or stop moving only because they're caused to. Um, Things change only because their cause to the 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 idea of an uncaused event is impossible even to imagine in the universe that we live in. It would have to be something like uh, like a leprechaun just appeared on your shoulder, sang the Star Spangled Banner backwards, waved a little yellow flag, and then vanished out of existence. The if that were to happen. You would immediately begin searching for causes for it. okay? Well, that happened because of the LSD I took ten years ago, or that 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 happened because i'm uh, I'm suffering from a mental illness or disorder like schizophrenia. Uh, or that happened because it turns out that the world I live in is filled with magic. Yeah, but i would I would have to say, I wouldn't be able to explain that to myself. And it would drive me literally insane if that actually were to happen to me, searching for a cause. I would want to know why did that happen. Because everything that we ever experience has a cause. And this argument says it would be very strange to live in a universe where everything has a cause except for everything. Like the entire universe itself has nothing that caused it. It just is. But everything about it, the essential nature of the universe, is cause and effect related. That'd be very strange. If you really, really are committed to there's no God, then you would have to say, well, I guess it's an infinite regress of cause and effect relationships without a start point. Um, that there's no beginning. It's just we're on an infinite number line and it goes back forever. Now, there are some philosophical problems with that that have to do with time. Um, but there, you know, the, the idea of infinite regress almost turns the physical universe into the thing that becomes God. But the other, and I think far more rational option, is the idea that there is something outside of everything that started it all in motion, that caused it all to come into existence. Um, If you imagine a string of dominoes that goes way back and they're all falling over, um, imagine each domino represents everything that's happening in the universe at a given moment, whether that moment is a decade or a millisecond, Everything that happens during that moment across the entire universe is that domino falling over. Well, everything in that millisecond was caused by the, or that decade or whatever, was caused by the previous one, was caused by the previous one, and so forth, back up the line. But what is it that knocks over the first domino that causes things to become in motion that weren't? And uh, The domino that's standing has the potential to fall over, but it won't fall if nothing causes it to. Well, if it's the first domino, then it can't be another domino that knocks it over. It has to be something outside of the string of dominoes, like a finger, or somebody bumping the table or something. Something outside of the dominoes starts all the dominoes in motion. Well, that would be what... what. uh Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle would refer to as the unmoved mover, that the the thing that is itself not moved by anything else. It's a necessary being that starts everything else. That doesn't tell us very much about God, but that's another name for God. The unmoved mover or the uncaused cause that causes everything else to be. That's, that's another name for God.
0: Things are happening. We can see that all around us. Everything is in a cause and effect relationship, and there must be something out there that began it all. It is reasonable to believe there was a first cause. It is reasonable to believe in God. Thank you for listening to Reasonable Faith, a beginner's exploration of classical apologetics. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a five-star review. See you next
3: time.